0: Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, joined again today with Coach Kelly Herman, and this is the third in a three-part series. Coach Herman is uh, now a wife, a grandma, a health coach, an author, a speaker. She was a fixture in sports at Franciscan University of Steubenville for decades, not that she's old, but having given up a full ride to play Division I basketball, she attended Franciscan, was athletic director, head coach of women's basketball and volleyball, intramural coordinator. She's reffed, umped, announced, coached Little little League soccer, run sports camps, and mentored other coaches, and I'm sure I'm leaving out a slew of (laughs) other um, she's a wealth of experience and knowledge and comes from a faithfully catholic perspective and since this show is all about about all things human and spiritual integration it's only right to to address sports because it's just it's such a wonderful tool in in terms of of doing that and so today episode three is christians in the arena thanks for coming again kelly thanks great talking to you
1: my pleasure margaret it's great to talk to you
0: so to you know, Christians in the arena, as we were kind of talking before, this is um, its kind of a, a, a shout out to the martyrs of old, right? <laughs> because it's, uh-huh. that, it's that faithful witness, which sometimes means being eaten by the lions, right? Mm-hmm. The Christians in the arena. So, which sometimes I'm, I would imagine it might have felt like that, different situations that you've been in, and I'm sure we'll end up discussing some of those things. But especially today, I want to kind of look at the practicalities of coaching from a faithful Catholic perspective. So what's the key to doing that, to integrating faith in sports?
1: Um, I think the, the key is to have a very clear philosophy based on Catholic teaching, truth, and have very clear priorities that are, that are reflected in that philosophy. So the more, I can define my, um, thinking my, why I do what I do, why it matters. Then when I have a very clear philosophy, the the decisions that I'm faced with, the answers become very clear and are very easy rather than that feeling of being muddled. Like, well, if I do this, then this will happen. Or if I do that, then that'll happen. So, um, this was not something I was good at early on it really took some time for me to even understand that I needed a well-defined and developed philosophy about sport and coaching. And, um, you know, where do we learn this? No one teaches it. You know, I wish we could have classes and seminars and conferences on, uh, faithful, coaching and faithful participation in sports. I think there's a million things we can talk about, but so we kind of have to learn it by trial and error, or I did in the beginning. And, um, it took me, it took me some time, but then as I did, like I said, the answers to questions became very, very clear.
0: Yeah. That's, I can I, give you an example
1: of yeah, priority. Do that. Okay. This, this is a good one. Um, so, so I coached the women's basketball team at Franciscan for the first nine years that we had a basketball team. And, um, when I was the coach, we would almost always travel with the men's team because we played back-to-back, uh, conference games and in, in basketball, the, the majority of your contests are conference. So once in a while we wouldn't travel with them for non-conference, but when we traveled with the men. The women sat in the first half of the bus, the coaches in the middle, and the men's team in the back of the bus. And one day, one of my captains, Kara, came to me and she said, "Coach, can I ask you a question?" And uh, what, I, you always got to be open. Ask me anything. You know, uh, talk about anything. She says, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure." She said, "What would you think if on the way home from games?" We sat with the guys team, you know, that we didn't have to sit apart because we think that it would be really good, like bonding time for the men's and women's basketball team. And I thought about that for a minute because, you know, it's really important to be thoughtful. I am an impulsive person. That's something I learned long ago. Think uh, (laughs) really tough conversations. I'll say, I'll talk to you about it tomorrow. But this one, this one seemed pretty obvious to me, but I did, I did stop and think. And I said to her, Kara, I really appreciate the question. I said, and you're right. Sitting with the guys would really be good bonding time for the men's and women's team. And personally, I loved the guys on the team. I had no reservation about who they were uh, as coaches. Uh, My staff, both of us, my staff and the men's staff, we got along really well really good, faithful people. I had no reservation about that at all. So I told her, yeah, that would, uh, that would be good bonding time. I said, but honestly, Kara bonding time between the men's and women's basketball teams is not even in my top 20 of priorities for my volleyball team. (laughs) No, excuse me, my basketball team. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, what's the priority when we travel? And she thought about it for a minute and she said, well, uh, study, I guess. Like, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what the priorities are. Their priorities are prayer. We start every trip with the rosary. I said, then the priorities are sleep, study, and relationships. Those are our priorities. And so all of those three things would not be accomplished if we sat with the guys on the way home. We would be wasting time. And interestingly, one of the other captains whose name was Caitlin came to me after the fact, she was a nursing major, junior nursing major um, she came to me and she said, coach, thanks for saying no to that. Because I mean, I'm, I always have studying to do on the bus and I would get nothing done. If I said, if we sat with the guys, interestingly, there were Years later, three women on that team that married guys from the men's team. Oh wow. so they so found care anyway. Kara <laughs> married Tim.
0: Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin
1: married Pete, and Nicole married Robert. Wow. and so, and I don't really think that that necessarily had anything to do with that question general. at that yeah, moment. but um but it was just a very quick answer because it was a matter of priorities. and we have very specific priorities when we travel. We don't have time to waste.
0: I love that in the, it's like in having priorities, you're not thrown back on your heels when there's a question or a situation. You don't have to feel like, Oh, okay. Now all of a sudden I have to reinvent the wheel, but now you have your Mm -hmm. go-to's and you can quickly like, yeah, kind of use those as a litmus test for, does Mm -hmm. this pass with some, Mm -hmm. you know, is something we should do or not do. And so.
1: And also leadership is, is um, the skill of being a good leader. Um, if you really believe in what you're doing and the why, then you can speak with confidence, even if someone's not going to agree with you. Now, Kara, she was such a good woman. I don't think she walked away from that conversation with any angst toward me yeah. at all. i think I think she understood. But you know, when we're leading people, uh so as a coach oftentimes we have to make unpopular decisions and when we're really grounded in our philosophy and our priorities then the fact that someone's going to disagree with us becomes very secondary and way less of a concern but when we're not sure about the decision we're making then part of uh the difficulty can be their reaction and we can get really muddled in that if we're not if we're not really grounded and sure
0: yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny because I know this, this, I think this, this person will come up later in our conversation, but there's, um, there's a business writer named Simon Sinek. And he, he he has three books that I know of that I've read, but the, um, I believe it was the first, I think it was the first one. It's called Start With Why. And his, I love, even though I'm not a business, well, I guess I am in terms of, you know, practice and stuff, but I, I don't have an MBA, you know, that kind of thing. But I love his principles because it's not about accounting and, a, and investment and that kind of thing. It's business in terms of people operating with other people. His idea behind Start With Why, which is a really popular, um, I believe it's a TED talk as well, but his idea, he he says a million times throughout it, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so what I'm hearing you say, not to sound counselorish, but what I hear you <laughs> say is like even in knowing the priorities yourself, then you're able to disseminate those and like describe those to the players in a way where it's like, okay, she's not just randomly saying no, mm-hmm. right? You're yep. able to say, this is why, like, it's not one of, it's not in my top 20 priorities, you know, for bonding with the the men's team isn't in one of the top 20 priorities. Then then they know, like, there's a reason you're saying what you're saying. You're not just being
1: mean. You're not just trying mm-hmm. to be contrary, right? So mm-hmm. you're able to say and- Right, And there's such a, um, there's such a difficulty in the culture nowadays to um, worry too much about people's emotions and to get offended too easily and, and let emotions become part of the reality when really so oftentimes they're just not. And so, um, so if we can separate the emotion and just look at you know, what is the reality? The reality is you won't study as much. If you can sit with the guys, you won't sleep as much. You certainly won't talk to each other as much. Mm-hmm. There goes our priorities. We're wasting our time, even though it's not a complete waste. I mean, you know, like I said, having good, healthy relationships with the guys team would always be a good thing, but it's not, it's not, uh, working toward our priorities and toward that end. Yeah, that's great.
0: So how do goals and priorities relate or are they
1: the same thing? Um, yes, they can be sure. Um, you know, I think that um, your goals are then the specific, um, direction, uh, what you're striving for with your team that flow from your priorities and flow out of your philosophy. So for example, um, there were some years on the basketball team, particularly in the beginning where we were definitely one of the weaker teams and we would go play some really tough teams. And, um, it was not likely that we were going to win. Now I have certainly been involved in contests where the odds were way not in our favor, (laughs) uh, total David and Goliath scenarios (laughs) and we won. So you know, of course we know in sports, you know, it's not over till it's over. Anybody can win. But there were a lot of times where we were so significantly outmanned. So do I say to my team, we're going to go win? And then loss after loss after loss, do they just look at me like I'm stupid? You know, Uh, gee, did, did she really think we could win? Um, Did we fail that badly? Or should our goal be, we are going to out rebound the other team. Mm-hmm. We're going to limit our turnovers to less than 20. 20 yeah. sounds like a lot, but if you're the far weaker team and the other team is a lot of press and pressure, 20 under 20 is a good number. Um, so you know, our goals, I tried to pick realistic goals, and I would tell my team that I'm like, you guys, I'm a realist. I'm not saying we can't win, but let's really focus. And let's have some goals that we can see that are clearly achievable and let's work toward the, toward those. And then if we do, then we're giving ourselves a better chance to win. And, um, you know, there were sometimes I had this one assistant coach and he didn't have a lot of experience with women's basketball. He was a very experienced basketball, uh, athlete himself, but not with women's basketball. So he would watch game film and he would say, oh man, you know, we're going to beat this team. And I would say, no not likely. If we come within 40 points, that will be probably a good performance. And, you know, he just didn't understand that. And I would say, look, the goal of winning in this game is so far away. I don't know if we can see it. So let's choose one that we can see. Let's work on some very specific things. So uh, sometimes your goals are to win a conference championship. Uh, Our goals can be really not sport related. Sometimes our goals are to evangelize. Always our goals are to evangelize. So we want every single person that sees and interacts with our team, whether it's on the bus, uh, on the court, um, at Panera, on the way home from the game, wherever it is, we want to be a witness of faith. And we want to always bring people to Christ through our actions. That's an important goal for our team. That's one that we talk about often. Um, For us personally, we have goals of growing in our love for Jesus Christ and as faithful Catholic women through our team experience. We have academic goals on our team. That's very important. Is it our primary focus as a coach and players? No, but it's absolutely a focus. My philosophy tells me that mind, body, and spirit that I have to be equally invested in the development of each of those areas in each of my student athletes, even though we will spend way more time on the body part, way more time on the sport part, because I'm their coach. Right. I'm not their teacher. I'm yep. not their spiritual advisor, but I have to be equally invested in all three. Nice. And so, um, so philosophy, uh, priorities are sort of guiding principles and then goals, We want to make as specific as we can and make them attainable. Uh, We're not going to achieve a goal that we really can't see.
0: I love it. I love it. Just real quick, when I was um, goalie in club soccer at Franciscan, I remember we were getting slaughtered by someone and um, and the coach changed at halftime. He said, we're going to make the goal to take 50 shots. Our new goal is to take 50 shots on goal in the second half. And of course, you you increase the shots that are getting taken on goal. You're increasing your possibility of making goals. But it was way less demoralizing than just getting slaughtered like we were in the first half. So, yeah, exactly. Right. It was something that yeah, people could really invest in. It felt like there it was more proximate, you know. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you go about achieving the goals that you set for the team, if, if from a you know faithful perspective?
1: Uh-huh. In a faithful way um our our goals in terms of our faith really center around our individual growth as a faithful person and creating a faithful team culture. And so we need to be specific about that and talk about how we do that. I mentioned when we travel, relationships are a priority. One of the things I did uh when I was coach, all, 27 seasons uh 28 seasons whatever it was um I always took the phones away from the team members when we traveled so they would get on the bus and I had this little drawstring bag and they'd put their phones in the bag and they wouldn't get their phones until we got back to campus and um The only exception to that is, of course, if there was an injury or some emergency and somebody had to talk to their parents or something like that, of course. But um, barring any emergency, the only exception was if they got to the bus before me and my assistant coaches did, they could grab their phone and be on it until we showed up. So that would encourage them to get out of the locker room and get to the (laughs) bus quickly because we're all in a hurry to get home. and, um, and then sometimes if I was in a really good mood, I would say, okay, we're going to stop at Panera in 20 minutes. You can keep your phones till we stop or whatever. Um, when we traveled to a tournament, uh, they would put their phones in the bag. We would get to the venue. We'd play the two volleyball matches. We'd get to the hotel. Um, I would tell them, uh, you know, shower, uh, well, we'd eat and then i'd tell them shower meet me in my room at this time and when they'd come to the room then i'd give them their phones and so um they'd give them back to me the next morning so i remember telling uh one particular volleyball player her name was nicole telling her about the no phone thing and she she actually fell on the floor she just was oh like kind of kind of dropped down to her knees like no seriously coach i'm like What are you the president of the United States? Like, what could be so right? So, most of my student athletes over the years accepted it pretty easily, some not so much, but they all looked back and said, Yeah, that was wise. There was wisdom in that. It really made us focus on our relationships and really created quality time to be together rather than the distraction of their phone. And then one time, one of the girls said, um, well, can we have our phones to use to study? And I said, okay, as long as you're only studying. And, um, at one point I was talking to my assistant coach, Vicki, and I stood up and turned around to say something to the rest of the team. And all I saw as I turned around was all of them looking down or most wow. of them I should say looking down and then they looked up like this. Oh wow. And I knew at that moment they were feigning they, so <laughs> they were not studying. So, I sat back down and I said to Vicky, uh I'm going to take the phones. Yeah. And so I stood back up and I said, "Okay ladies, uh I need everybody's phone. Put them in the bag." And interestingly, no one asked why. It's- yeah. Cause, cause they knew they were guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, then we talked about it later and I said, okay, you know, uh, if you're going to study, then, uh, we have to have parameters to this and it won't be on your phone. It'll be on your computer, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. um, and even that has its challenges. I would not let them listen to music on the way to matches only on the way home. So, so, uh, headphones, earbuds only on the way home. Um, and they would say, "Well, my music is on my phone." And so then I started to say, "Get a different device because I'm not going to let you have your phone." So um, so it was interesting. but um, but like I said, they all really agreed that it was very beneficial. So, um, the integration of our philosophy, our priorities from a faith perspective, is so important, and we know that relationships are important. We know that supporting each other, understanding each other, being examples to each other, living life together, and helping each other, you know, grow in our faith is is such an important part of the team experience that um, we can't we couldn't waste that time yeah. on our phones.
0: So it's really a matter of staying faithful to those priorities that yep. that you set. It moves you in the direction of those goals, attaining those. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What are what what are some you know? I, let me go. Let me go to this first before I go to my last question. So are there situations that um, kind of press you as a coach or have pressed you or you, that you mm-hmm. can see looking at a, the larger arena, pun intended, um, that press you to to be more countercultural or have pressed you mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. kind of you know, buddy well there in sports.
1: You know, I, really, I think that there's a million of them because when you're really looking to integrate your faith in your sports experience and your coaching experience, certain things really become glaring, I think. Um, so, for example, my behavior on the sideline. Uh, you know, I mentioned last time, you know, in the beginning, earlier in my career, I was uh, a little too cranky on the sidelines. And I really had to look at that. I really had to say, how should I behave? What is faithful? And that doesn't mean that I never lost my temper, but I certainly got better at controlling my temper. You know, um, that was, a, a kind of a process, but you know, if, uh, w- one of the things that really helped with this is we had guest coaches for volleyball and the guest coaches would be, um, faculty or staff from Franciscan. The girls would, um, I would just ask them for recommendations. Who do you want me to invite to be a guest coach? A lot of um, favorite professors or, um, father, um, uh, Dave was one of our guest coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of times different priests or religious, uh, all kinds of people. So your behavior on the sideline is definitely tempered when you have father Dave standing next to you. And, um, so there were different situations like that over the years where, you know, I had to really think, you know, how you behave matters no matter who's around. Right. And, um, and of course, we all know that, but boy, that's a real practical moment, you know. And I will never forget Father Nathan Malavolti was our guest coach one year. And um, we love you, Father. And, uh, we love him. And he was such a joy. He was so close to our team and such a gift to our volleyball team. And in this match, we lost a close match. And he was kind of fired up and we had a picture of him on the sideline. Like he was kind of fired up. Like, you know,
0: yeah, Yeah, it was great. And,
1: uh, and we, we laughed about that, but, um, you know, so, so, um, so our, our behaviors, I, I was always really challenged in that way, certainly challenged in my language and the way I would speak, you know, when you get angry as a coach, should you curse and swear? if I'm telling the women not to curse and swear, I sure certainly shouldn't be, um, um, you know, constantly looking for ways to help the women wherever they were at. One of the things, um, that I, that I always tried to do was be open to whatever they needed. So I would always tell the women early in the season, Hey, some of you are going to be closer to me, like come hang out in my office. Um, often you're going to be digging in my fridge. Uh, some of you are going to work for me in your murals. That's great. Some of you aren't going to do those things. That's great too. It's whatever you need. And so then when they needed me for something like, you know, call me, text me, Hey coach, you know, can I stop in? I need to talk to you about something, or I have a question or, um, I need help or, whatever. Um, I wanted to be available. I wanted to be open. I wanted to be open to disagreement. Um, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to always be treating them the way that I wanted them to treat me and just how I felt you should treat people from a a faith perspective. There were other things like, um, cultural things like spandex. That's a good one, you know, for the volleyball team, everybody wears, spandex. That's what's accepted in volleyball. Well, back when we started the volleyball program, um, I told the girls, we're not going to wear spandex. We're going to wear volleyball shorts, like not big baggy basketball shorts, although they're not so big and baggy anymore. But back then they were. But I said, we're going to wear something that looks volleyball, uh, a shorter inseam and more fitted, but not spandex. And they said, how come? And I talked to them about the objectification of women. And, you know, I asked a very simple question, why don't male volleyball players wear spandex or tight uniforms? Yeah, Yeah, we're glad they don't, but, um, but you know, uh, no one can answer that question for me. (laughs) And, um, and some people say, well, spandex are more comfortable. Well, yeah, they might be, maybe if you're a thinner person, uh, I hope this doesn't sound too crass, but walking around naked is more comfortable too. Does that make it appropriate? And so, um, you know, I heard over the years, plenty of times uh, men saying, oh, are you going to the volleyball match tonight? Because, you know, something, some reference about what the women wear. Really? And really? yeah, wow. not, not at Franciscan, because we didn't okay. wear spandex, but at other places. And I'm like, I'm not going to allow my team to be objectified. Yeah. And um, one of my players made a meme and it showed our team celebrating after our first conference championship, and then the line underneath was "respect the shorts." Oh, I'm... <laughs> that's awesome! And you know, in the beginning, when we were a weaker volleyball team, they could make fun of our shorts. But then, when we got good and started winning conference championships, they didn't have time to make fun of our shorts anymore. Awesome. They had to worry about how they right. were going to beat us. Right. But um, over the years, I had many conversations with volleyball coaches, um, school board members, athletic board members, people saying, um, explain to me why your team doesn't wear spandex and how I can articulate that to my school board or my athletic board. Cause they won't let me switch to wearing shorts. Wow. wow. And I just, I always thought that was fascinating. One woman from Oregon actually offered to fly me out so I could speak to her school board, which never ended up happening, but I would have gladly gone. And, um, and you know, so, so there are just questions like that, that come up in sport where it's, are we going to do what everybody else does or are we going to do what's faithful and right? And, um, and so that integration happens constantly on every level. If you just uh, are open to where God is leading you.
0: Yeah. 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 It's the, whole. Well, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's for, for our listeners who might be coaches, right. Mm-hmm. So can you give them, give us three practical steps that people can start today to begin mm-hmm. to coach, um, from a faithfully Christian perspective. hmm and um for the sake of christian formation right so mm-hmm.
1: well you know uh speaking of christian formation um my uh one of my favorite jp2 quotes he talks about that he says every christian is called to become a strong athlete of christ that is a faithful and courageous witness to his gospel but to succeed in this he must persevere in prayer be trained in virtue and follow the divine master in everything. Mm. And isn't that so interesting? Like that is it in a nutshell. That's it, you know, and everything we do in sports is a practice toward that end, but everything we do in sports has to translate to real life sure. and the practice of what we're going to experience five, 10, 15 years when we're all done playing. So, um, so we have to constantly be looking to that integration. So the first thing is, I would say, uh, really take time to define your philosophy and your priorities. And, um, for example, one of my philosophies is team, team, everything team, we're a team. We do everything together. We do a lot of things just to support the idea of team togetherness, uh, how we sacrifice for each other on and on and on. So I would tell my players, you are going to dress exactly alike. We're not going to be wearing different colored headbands. We're not going to be wearing different shoes. We're not going to be wearing funny, um, you know, like in in basketball, a lot of times you see them wear little bands around their biceps and just all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, A lot of times basketball players now, they'll have long spandex on one of their legs Mm -hmm. and then it'll be cut off on the other leg. I don't really understand the reason for that, but everybody wants to look different, but that's not being a team. And so I would tell the uh, women on my teams, we're going to look the same. And if you want to stand out, do it in the way that you play and how hard you work. People will notice you because you are standing out in your performance. And so um, so that's an example of philosophy. So my team's dressed exactly like when they played. My team's dressed exactly like when they practiced. When we traveled, I was very specific about what you wear to matches, what you wear on the way home, what you wear in the hotel lobby, what you wear when you come down for breakfast. Uh, we are a team. So um, so really clearly defined philosophy and goals. And then um, the next I would say is complete integration. Keep looking for ways to integrate. So in that quote from JP 2 he talks about prayer. Uh, if I could sum up one word that is sort of a key to the Christian life. It is prayer. So uh, our prayer together as a team is a really important part of building up the faith culture on our team. So uh, team masses throughout the season, prayer before and after practice, prayer before and after matches, always inviting our opponent to pray after every match, Um, you know, constantly praying for uh, the women on my team and my assistant coaches and always encouraging them to pray for each other. Um, on my teams, we always had partners and um, that was always a focus for each player to make sure their partner is cared for in a variety of ways and to always pray for their partner. So, um, so prayer is a really important part of our lives as Christians. It should be an important part of our team experience. Um, but, and then I would say, um, leadership on every team is really important. And oftentimes we make the mistake of choosing the best players. Um, also allowing the team to choose, I think is most often a mistake. I did that once in a while, uh, for various reasons, but, uh, generally speaking, I think the, the coach should choose captains, but captains should be exemplary as faithful leaders and, um, not just good Good players. And then in that leadership, the model has to be servant leadership. Yeah. So you have to really think from a faith perspective, what is leadership? It's not, it's kind of not what you see in the typical team construct. So it's not like you walk into the gym and you say, freshman, you know, set up the net. Right. No, the leaders are serving constantly. And so um, I've had a lot of great leaders over the years. Oh my goodness. A lot of great leaders, but one always comes to mind. Her name is Amy, and uh, I think I might have mentioned her previously, but um you know, she was always in the in the gym doing her job. and then when her job was done, helping others with their job, uh, she was always last to leave doing her job, helping everybody with their job. She was a true servant leader. and that is the leadership that um, we want to we want to teach. And we want to model. That's mm-hmm. what I try to model to my captains and my players. And that's what I want my captains to model to the rest of the team. So to choose captains and then stay really connected with your captains. Um, in, the, in terms of the level of integration with faith, that is really, really important that um, weekly meetings with your captains has got to be a priority. And then lastly, don't be afraid to be countercultural. Um, we know that the sports culture is amoral, it's void of morality and faithful truth. And so um, we have to be willing to take a stand. We have to be willing to be different. We can't be afraid. And, um, you know, uh, in one of the last Olympics, there was a women's handball team from, and I should have looked this up. I meant to, can't remember the country, but the Olympic Committee mandates a very, very short, uh, almost like a bathing suit bottom for women's handball, uh, hmm. and yeah, completely unnecessary. I mean, not they how, don't. What in the world? How does that? Yeah, they point? don't do it for men's handball, That's
0: crazy. but they
1: do it for women's handball. Sure. So one of the teams took a stand and said, "No, we're not doing it," and they got fined and um another country then decided to do it in solidarity to show solidarity for this team and and they weren't doing it because they were faithful interestingly they were doing it because they as women were not going to stand for being objectified nice. so wow on the olympic level talk about being countercultural That's great. I I just, I love that story. So you got to be bold. You got to be, you got to be bold in the decisions you make and how you lead and how you create your team culture. And if what we're doing is unique, then what we're doing really is by definition, countercultural.
0: I love it. You know, you know, I'm sure you've heard a million times the saying, you play the way you practice. And, and of course that, that means, you know, practice, practice showing up at the gym and practicing and how that impacts a game, but it's really like the games are the practice for life, you know. Exactly. Really like our practice and our relationship with the Lord is really the game. That's the that's the only game that really matters if we win. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's it's just a such a great gift in my life to be still connected with so many of my former players and see them living their lives uh faithfully um uh finding their vocation um um becoming moms um entering religious life wherever god's calling them to do to see them live that out faithfully um so many of them are coaches and um you know it doesn't matter if you're a sports coach or not when you're a parent in a certain sense you're coaching you're life coaching mm-hmm. um And, uh, it's, it's just beautiful to, it's just a gift to be able to stay in touch with so many of those women and see that faithful witness played out in their lives, you know, many years later.
0: Yeah. I love it. Kelly, thanks for, for joining me again. You have so much wisdom and so much experience and and just love having you on here because they're, they're just, there's so many areas of our life that we just tend to overlook and, and kind of leave faith for Sunday. And that's just so sad because Jesus is pretty smart. And so the ways Mm -hmm. he wants us to do things, everything Mm -hmm. works better when we do things that way. So I just love,
1: yeah. And, you know, I was always, um, mindful of the fact that I would have those women in my care on my team for a limited time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember a very wise person told me once that the two most formative times in a person's life are one to five years old and 18 to 22 years old.
0: Oh, fascinating.
1: Yeah. And and so I would always think of that. And I would always think, you know, no contract. This is an opportunity. If you decide you're only going to play for one year, I totally support that. Whatever you decide, one, two, three, or four, you know, Uh, you have to try out for the team and make the team every year. This is not a scholarship competition or a scholarship situation. So, um, you know, everybody has to make the team, but, um, but I was always mindful of the fact that even if they played all four years, it was still a limited amount of time. And I wanted our sports experience to be as impactful in their life as possible. And, um, I think that that is just from a coaching perspective, really important to keep in mind, uh, don't, don't waste a minute. There's so much work to be done, um, particularly with the culture being what it is now and, um, our opportunity is limited. So we have to uh, make the most of it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so great for our listeners. If you want to get connected to Kelly, her email is K Herman. K. H. E. R. R. M. A. N. N. I. M at Outlook.com. Or you That's can-
1: I-A-M.
0: That's right. Right, and- I-A-M. I-A-M, yeah. Uh-huh. Or you can message me at sacredhearthealingministries.com and I'll pass that on to Kelly. She's doing mm-hmm. um, lots of speaking engagements and those kind of things. And um, she's an, she said she's an author. She's just got lots to, lots of wisdom to share. So, um and she of course wrote a chapter and coached them well by saint mary's press and um so feel free to check that out please do that you'll love what she has to say there if you want to get connected to, to myself for um, the purpose of healing wellness relationship coaching um you can do that by way of my website sacredhearthealingministries.com also for her parish healing missions diocesan healing missions doing those things These days with Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. And um, and for my books, please check those out on Amazon. Um, Fearless, Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. And uh, more than words, the freedom to thrive after trauma. So thank you for joining us. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. And um, God bless everybody, all our listeners. And may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.